Just to see St. John's, Christchurch, and St. Michael's together, just to uh, worship God on this Easter Sunday. Um, today is Resurrection Sunday, the greatest day in history of the world. This is the culmination of God's master plan, his rescue mission, the greatest rescue mission ever launched the heavens itself, so that we could be redeemed. What a glorious day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so we're going to jump in straight into the scriptures. If you have your Bible, actually no, let me ask you a question first. Sorry, let me ask you a question first, right? Where do you look to find life? Where do you look to find life? Now we can look at the scriptures. Brilliant. That was my question. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to Luke 24 with me. And we're just going to read from verse 1 to verse 12. That's Luke 24, 1 to 12. It should be on the screen as well. Um, so yeah, let's do it. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces on the ground, but the man said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Indeed, thanks be to God. So today this sermon should be a two-pointer, two-point, too easy, easy thing to remember. If you've got notes, write it down. Two points, simple, I promise you. So my first point is this. What was once closed is now open. What was once closed is now open. We read in verse 2 that the stone was rolled away, that the women arrived with the spices to treat the body of Jesus, um, and the coming the stone is rolled away. Um, the stone, the final resting place of Jesus, the stone that cement and signify that death had won that death is inevitable, had been rolled away. The stone, if you will, signified the end of the Jesus movement, so to speak. And so when I was reading and thinking about this, I just want to share what came to me, okay? So in the beginning was the Garden of Eden. Humanity had food, you had life in abundance, you had everything needed. The Garden of Eden would have been this perfect paradise Climate is wonderful. You don't need any rain because it's watered by this mist coming up from the ground. Read in Genesis. 
There was no storms. It had no natural occurrences. It was perfect. Everything about God's creation was perfect. After all, God did say it was very good at the end of the sixth day. And therefore, the world in which Adam and Eve lived was perfect without anything, without anything that could detract from their enjoyment of knowing God in a perfect, undiluted way. Surely, this is what it means by the word paradise. But we know Adam and Eve, it didn't didn't pan out, they messed up, they didn't listen to God, they disobeyed him, if you will. They stepped up the line. And with any disobedience, with any lies, with not listening, there tends to be consequences. So I'm going to show two brief illustrations here. So I remember when I was at uni, I was a student. I'm not going to say a long time ago because people look at me funny. So about 15 years ago, I think. I can't remember. 15 years ago, let's say. I was 20, maybe. Yes, 20. Um, and there was this, this guy, he, 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 um, he thought he was a boy racer. You know, he loved cars, fast cars. And we said, look, mate, you drive way too fast. Jump in this car, he'll do like 80, 90, 100. And you know, you're just here praying for your life like Jesus. Not now, it's too early. Don't take me. And he drove really fast. He just kept driving really fast. And we told him, look, you're just going to get yourself hurt, mate. You are going to get yourself hurt. Did they listen? Of course not. Uh, his parents bought him a brand new car, really kind of souped up model. He drove it down a country lanes. I can tell you what happened next. Took off a brand new car, I think £25,000, £30,000, completely wrecked in the blink of an eye. Fortunately, he just had a broken arm, a couple of bruised ribs, and a few cuts on his head. But he was okay. But when you don't listen, there happens to be consequences. I've got two children, they're uh, almost seven and four. And uh, when they're at home, they misbehave, they step out of line sometimes, they do things that they shouldn't be doing. And so we say, look, all we want from you is the truth. We don't really, we don't care what happens, we just want the truth. And so when they, you know, the break of of ours, or or, or something falls down, they say, who did that? Complete silence, you know? And you know when your kids mess up because the house is going dead silent. You know, you do the washing up here, and and suddenly he goes, I can't hear what, you you can't hear the kids. They're doing something bad, you just messed up your house. And so we say to them, look, what happened? Like, who did this thing? Nothing. It wasn't me that day. No, I did it. Surrendered it. And so we said, right, well then, you're not telling us the truth, then there'll be a, a consequence. You're going to lose you know, your Pokemon card. You're going to lose some screen time. Oh, no, Daddy, no. No, CBBs. You're going to lose screen time. And we tell them, we don't really care about what you've done. We just want you to tell us the truth. And you see, everything that we do there always has consequences. Lying and disobedience. The consequence for Adam and Eve was the removal from them of paradise. That was their consequence. They're stepping out of place. The lying was removal from paradise. I wonder what would have happened if Adam and Eve had told God the truth. Hey God, I'm really sorry. I messed up. I, I, don't hide. Don't pass the blame on somebody else. Hey, I, I'm going to own this. I messed up. They were exposed from this place of a perfect relationship with God, perfect community with God. It was all perfect, now it was removed. Metaphorically speaking, it was closed. The the presence of of, of the cherubim, 
of the flaming sword, if you will, metaphorically signifies a stone was rolled away from that garden. You see, sins, lies, disobedience, they cut us off from God, they, 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 they stop us, they put a barrier between us and God. God cannot be in the presence of sin, he cannot be in the presence of deceit, he is too pure and too holy for that. So what, so what is to become? What, what, is, what am I to do? How then can I be in his presence? Well, you see, humanly, pos- humanly speaking, there is nothing that I can do. There is nothing that you can do. There is nothing that we can physically, humanly possibly do to achieve, to be in that place of, of, of friendship, to be in that place of relationship. There is nothing that I can do. And that's where Jesus comes in. What I couldn't do, Jesus did for me. What we could not do for ourselves, Jesus did. By becoming the Lamb of God, by being the sacrifice for all sin, Jesus removed the barrier. He removes this forever barrier between us sinful creation and a holy God. He removes it, he breaks it, and by becoming sin for us, Christ makes it possible for us to become the righteousness of God. Because of what he does, we are no longer separated from God. In Christ, we can now come to God freely, without fear of judgment, without fear of uh, of retribution. We are free and can come to God. For those who trust in Christ, the sin which once formed this wall has now been removed, and in God we are forgiven. By the cross and through his resurrection, Christ removed that stone, removed that rolled stone, and access to what was once lost has now been granted once again. What was once sealed off has now been reopened. You see, resurrection is restoration. Because of the resurrection, we are now being restored in the Father. Because of the resurrection, families are restored. Because of the resurrection power, marriages are restored. Because of who Jesus, what Jesus does, friendships are restored. Resurrection brings about new life. Resurrection restores what was once lost, what was once broken. This is what Jesus does. And this is by the raising out, by the coming in the tomb, by the removing of that stone, new life has come forth. But it doesn't just end there. Jesus wasn't in the grave, you see. The women have this conversation with the angels, and, and, this, and the angels tell them, why? why are you looking? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He has risen. Stop looking here. There is nothing worthwhile for you to look here. Why are you looking in this dead place? There is nothing here. And so this brings me back to my first question. Where do you look to find life? Where do you go to find life? And I think if we're all honest with one another, even if we're all honest with ourselves for a moment, we continuously strive to find meaning, to find life and purpose around things, things around us. So um, I used to be a youth worker, and even then, we live in a generation of cell phones. I used to work in schools, and I work with young people, uh, young boys and young girls, who are continuously influenced by what they see on social media. So they live for, for, for that body, for that image, for that recognition. Oh, I want to be like so-and-so. I want to, to look like so-and-so. I want to be like, like this person, like this guy. And it's not just young people. It's even us as adults ourselves. I'm guilty of, of, of having been in that position where... Uh, 
social media can really be toxic. It makes me want to live for something else. I start to focus on different things. I start to oh, look at my friend. He's, he's out in Dubai. He's living it up. Oh, look, he's now going to, he's in Qatar or he's in Doha. You know, like, you start to want things. You start to want to find life and purpose in other things. If social media is not your thing, that's fine. But it could be at work. It could be you want to be uh, liked by your co-workers. You want to be mentioned in every single sentence. You want to be praised. You want to be well thought of. You want to be admired. You want a paycheck. You want that promotion. You want to climb that ladder. You want to be the acclaim. You want to be on that pedestal. All these things that we think are giving us life are nothing. When I was at uni, um, some of you may know this, my sole purpose and my sole goal for going to uni when I didn't know Jesus was I want to be a lawyer so I can be filthy rich. And I, I, look where I am now. <laughs> so I want to be a lawyer so I can be filthy rich. And that was my ambition. That was it. I was, that was my life. I went there with that goal. That, I was looking for life in monetary value. That's all I wanted. But you see, one thing we have to recognize is all these things around us, all these things that we want to find life in, they are just passing. They are temporary. They should, should they have an effect, they might make you happy, and, but they are like fleeting like the morning dew. They don't last. And once it's done, it's gone. And so even though you might be full on the money, even though you might be full on, on this promotion, but you will never be satisfied and you're always going to crave more and more and more because these things don't give you life. They're just passing and dead things. The actor Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and get famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that that's not the answer. You see, you can chase followers, you can chase money, you can chase status. Don't let me stop you. I'm just saying, you can chase all these things. But I hope that you'll realize that beyond your basic need, they won't do much for you. They don't give you life. And like Luke tells the women in that passage in verse, I think it's verse 3 or 4, they don't give you life. Why are we still seeking for things that don't give life in that empty tomb? The stone is rolled away. He's not there. Let's stop looking at things that was. Let's stop looking at things that may give us life but actually don't do, us, don't do anything for us. Let's stop having our eyes fixated on the temporary, but let's have our eyes fixed on the forever, on the hope that is. Jesus is not there. He's gone ahead. Forget the former things. Forget the things that don't give us life. Look at Jesus doing a new thing. Keep our eyes on him, the prize. Our mistakes, our past, everything that we once were, we're crucified with him on that cross and out of that grave came something new. Life, freedom, restoration, love, forgiveness. We are not bound by what was, but we are consumed and looking forward to a future full of hope and wonder and beauty, love because of who Jesus is. The resurrection is good news. 
It's amazing. And so you might say, well, why, Nick? That's great. Stone is roll away. Yep, tick. Uh, Jesus is not there anymore. That's great. Then, then, then how, where is he? Like, how, how do I find Jesus? Like, where, where is he? You don't have to look very far to find Jesus because he's here with us now. You don't have to go on this massive uh, journey, expedition to find Jesus. He is here with us now. And you may have. You may have gone on this, on this journey of discovery. You may have uh, talked to people. You may have read different books. You may have explored different faiths, different traditions. But you, might, you come to this place where nothing really ever sticks. That's because you've been looking in the wrong place. You've been looking at this thing that doesn't give you life. You've not actually looked at the right place. You see, like I said, Jesus is not far. He's not disappeared. We read in Revelation that he is here. He's knocking at your door. He's waiting to be let in. He wants to eat with you. He wants to be with you. He wants you to eat with him at his table. He wants to be in communion with you. He is not far. He is here. Jesus is meeting you where you are. He's not asking you to come. Hey, Nick, you, you must go where I am. You must, you must come and find me. He says, Nick, I'm going to come. I'm going to meet you where you are. On the road to May, as the disciples were walking, Jesus turns up where they are. Jesus meets you where you are. He doesn't wait for you to walk down the road, but he says, hey, I'm going to come and meet you here as you are, as you're broken, in your broken state, in your lost state, now, here. Meeting Jesus and finding him is not rocket science. All you have to do is just call on his name. He is the one who gives you life. He's not dead. He's risen. So don't go seek, don't go to find and seek life in dead things. Go and find life in the one who rose from the dead and who is life eternal. Seek life in the one who paid it all. Seek life in the one who gives us life in abundance. Seek life in Jesus because that's who he is. He is the way, he is the truth, and he's the life. He has made a way for you. He has broken the barrier for you. You are free and able to come to him. No restrictions. He's right here right now, today, this evening. Just call on the name of Jesus. Everybody and everyone who calls on his name will be saved. The Lord does just what he promises and in so doing, his name is forever glorified. In Christ, we come to God freely. And for those, like I said before, for now, for those who come and trust in Christ, the sin which once formed the wall is gone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Come to Jesus. Come to him, to one who paid it all, 
and you will have life in abundance. You will have life in its fullness. So we just don't, why don't we just pray um, together?